name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Remember a few episodes back where I talked about edibles, marijuana, edibles, things? You know those? Well, I feel a little bad. I feel a little responsible and accountable because an Olympic athlete, Shikari Richardson, who is awesome. Good Lord. I've, I watched her uh, qualify. I've been keeping up with the Olympic trials because it's just kind of cool to watch that amazingness. And I don't know if you guys know this, but 100% of those athletes are plant-based, um, which is interesting. Uh, Peruvian, mm. dark, dark, dark roast, dark roast, dark roast, deliver me to my, to my maker. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit heavenly. Anywho, assuming I'm going to heaven, uh, Shikari Richardson was suspended for testing positive for marijuana. Now, is it because she listened to the podcast and I was like, listen, have a freaking edible. It's no difference in alcohol. Could be. And if so, I feel bad like her career just took a tank because she's not going to the Olympics now. She got suspended. The World Anti-Doping Agency and the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, because there's a world one and a U.S. one. They're in conjunction, both anti-dope, which dope is like 1950. You guys smoking dope? Like, can we get a new verbiage on there? Anti-doping people? Quote, marijuana poses a health risk to athletes. And that's true. So does bacon. And has the potential to enhance performance. More on that in a second. And violates the spirit of the sport. Huh. The spirit of the sport. Well, that's that's not vague. Uh, but the potential to enhance perform Marijuana, the potential to enhance the performance of a... Sp I mean, if you're a speed eater, if that's your your competition if that's your your event speed eating okay i can see you know get you take an edible before the event and all of a sudden you're like plowing through a, a bin of hot dogs faster than anybody else i can see that but as a sprinter come on let's can we just so you can get loaded on you know bud light which i don't even know if that's possible but if it were you could get loaded on it the night before and then just sprint your sprint your way and just go right on to the olympics I, you might have a harder time with a hangover i'm not saying that i'm just saying no, it's a little ridiculous. Isn't a little ridiculous? It's a little ridiculous. I mean, come on. She's an amazing athlete. If you watch her, good Lord, she's a f f just on fire. Takes an edible, suspended from the, the Olympics. Because it's, no, it's not in the spirit of the sport. It's not in the spirit of the sport. I was on a, a nice uh, nice guy's podcast, George Rombacker, I think his name is. Lifeblood podcast. You should check that out. You should listen to the podcast where I am interviewed. Because it gives you a break from this podcast where I interview nobody except for Matt Frazier and, and Robert Cheek one time. Uh, thank you to the um, Patreoners who still, you know, support my work. It's pretty cool. Thank you to you, y'all. My book, Six Truths, is out. It's rolling. Six Truths. Live by these truths and be happy. Don't and you won't. And of course, Small Steppers and all that kind of stuff. Okay, small. it's all the links in the thing. If you want to work with me or take my program, go find out about that shit, okay? It works. It's all good stuff. It is. It really, really is. Are you willing to go there or not? That's the question. No pressure. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm kind of rapid firing sips of this coffee this morning. You know why? I took an edible and I'm speeding up. I shouldn't have done that. It's not fair. It's not fair to the other people who are drinking coffee slower than I am right now because I took an edible. 
Let's talk about the creation myth. And if you think I'm talking about the Bible, well, you got another thin coming because I'm not. I'm talking about creation. And I touched upon this uh, last week in last week's podcast. Here's the truth about why I touched upon it last week's podcast. I thought that I had already talked about and done this episode. I, I, As I make notes for this show, I file them in like upcoming episode folders. I'm like, okay, that'll be like, if it comes to me, I'll be like a quick note on a doc that says, you know, episode 132. So I I did the newest episode, but there was actually one before that I didn't realize I hadn't done yet. And so I, it's neither here nor there. It's just what happened. I touched upon it. So I'm going to expand because this is the actual episode that I wanted to discuss. And it's about the creation myth. It's about the process of creation. And that goes for anything like the book I wrote. So it's not, it's like nonfiction. It's, 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 it's creating something. Okay. Putting it, creating something, putting it out in the world. Okay. Now there's two myths about that. One, that creation needs input. Then in other words, you have to co-create or you need input to create. You don't, you can create something period. And it just, you can just create it by yourself and put it out there. You don't need anybody's input or comments. You do not need to do that to create anything. Got it? Even to create anything good. Okay. Because then we're getting into like uh, what's objectively good versus subjectively good, et cetera, et cetera. Two, that creation happens in a vacuum. So while you can create in, you know, in, in a sense, isolation, because you're not consciously asking somebody, what do you think of this? Can you change this? What do you, I need help with this? You put your input into this. You're doing that in isolation from that hex. But you're, if you're living in the world, your creation is in, in a sense, an amalgamation of all amalgamation of all the things that influence you on any level conscious or otherwise. And so it's a, it's a, you know, all those things come into play and then they feed into, I mean, that's, it's, it's the way we work. We're social animals. So we are influenced by people. We, I work with people all the time. They influence my work. They teach me how to get better at what I do. They, their struggles, my own struggles feed into the books I've written and, and the, and my philosophy and everything I talk about in this podcast is influenced. There's of course, but the idea that you have to, that you need comments and that you need feedback to do anything is is not true. It's a myth. And this feeds into my broader, ep- this episode in a broader context, which is that it really has to do with comment culture, this new world that we live in. And in a sense, it's not like we didn't express opinions in the past, but there is a definite inflammation and it isn't just because from animal protein, okay? Um, there's an inflammation, an inflaming of this comment culture because we have platforms that where our voices in theory can be heard by many, many people. But more importantly for me is we do it because we think we might be heard by many, many people, even if we're not. And that's where it gets a little bit interesting. So I was thinking back to pre-social media times and, and you know, uh, maybe a simpler time, I don't know, make America great again, um, was we'd go to a movie Let's say, oh, I don't know, The Bodyguard with Kevin, Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Okay? No. Look, is she not the best actress? Of course not. She wasn't that good in that movie. But, the, but that movie is worth watching more than once. That's, I'm not going to... Sometimes I say controversial things. I said on episode one of this show that I was going to take the gloves off. Here I am, The Bodyguard. Okay? Just whatever. Just sue me. We'd go to a movie like The Bodyguard. And afterwards, if you remember this, it's been a while, but if you guys think back, if you're over 30, you can think about this and you can think, okay, remember when after the movie, we'd, each of us would walk into the front of the theater, remember? 
and we would tell every single person in that theater our opinion. Do you remember? We would watch the movie and I would say, okay, everybody quiet. Everybody quiet. Here is my opinion of the bodyguard. You didn't ask for it, but I'm giving it to you anyways because I want to tell you that my opinion of this bodyguard movie is that it's pretty cool that he's that good at his job, that he's like that much of an ass kicker and it's kind of a romantic story, guiltily. Okay, that's. I just want to let all you guys know that. Okay, now you can go home. Do you remember how we used to do that? Oh man, I mean, it seems so long ago. Weird. When I put something out, and this is me, and I'm sure that there's others like me, because usually there are, when people would offer a critique of any work I've done ever, music, and um, not so much acting, because it was sort of like, yeah, we saw you on the Taco Bell commercial, we bought a burrito, okay, great, you know, um, we would, they would say, hey, listen, I've got some feedback about your book, do you want to you know, I'd love to, you know, give you some feedback about your book. And I'd always be polite. And I would say, yeah, yeah, no, of course. I'd love to, I'd love to hear feedback, but it was a lie. And I'm realizing that now, um, at 52 that I, that's, I have not been honest about it. being polite and that that's fine, you know, and, and it's fine to be polite. And we all tell a little white lies like, sure, because we want to hurt somebody's feelings. But at the same time, I don't think it does anybody a service when I, when I do that, because I don't care. And as I touched upon it last week, thinking I had already touched upon it the week before, um, it's not out of disrespect or or a judgment of someone's self-worth or worth, period. It's not that at all. It's simply, do I care or actually do I care or not? One of those truths in my book is find out what you actually give a crap about. Well, I don't care, especially after I put something into the world because it's out of my hands. There's nothing, literally nothing I can do about it. I mean, I can't go like, well, somebody commented on Amazon and so I got had to change the book and pull it off the market and, and rewrite it because one person. You know, it's like that, you know, we, we walk to the front of the theater and, and we're in authority because we've seen other movies and that honestly is the extent to most people's self sort of uh, uh, I'm the authority because I decided I'm an authority because I have a free Twitter account. I, I'm I'm worth being listened to. You may not be worth being listened to, but again, that's not objective. But the question is, do I think you're worth being listened to? And frankly, do you think I'm worth listening to, right? That's your prerogative as well. That's as it should be. But this assumption that because, and this goes for critics too, by the way, it's not like back in the day you would put something out and you would read reviews from actual critics. Now we just read comments from some jackass who has a filter of personal whatever going on. And at least critics try to be objective. I'm assuming, I don't know, but there's not a lot of worth in what they do too. Sorry, but it's freaking true. It may be the only way that we can find out kind of what's going on in a movie, but we don't always agree with every critic, do we? We don't always agree. There's always completely differing opinions. And maybe if we stumble upon a critic who gets it right, then that just means one that this, not that they're objectively better than every other critic, but that their values align with our values and their tastes align with our tastes a little bit more than others might. And we sort of lock up with them in that fashion. But to be to, to come back around this, um, maybe you do care about people's inputs. And maybe when someone says, hey, do you like, I'll tell you like at the restaurant, like people go, I have some feedback about your food. I don't, act, I mean, I then I will say, yes, give me your feedback because I have a job and I'm supposed to do that. But I personally do not give a crap. I only care if like most people don't like what the restaurant does. And I don't even cook in the restaurant. I'm just saying people come up to me because they know who I am. And they're like, listen, I got feedback and I help manage the restaurant. And so 
I don't care. I do care if it becomes a numbers game where it's like 90% of people, if they didn't like something, I'd go like, we're not doing something right here. But if most people do, I don't care about feedback because I'm not going to change a fucking thing, not one. And that goes for the work I do personally, music, this podcast, uh, my videos. I don't care. That's why I turn the video, the comments off on my YouTube channel because I just don't care. I actually don't care. And it was a waste of every single moment that I would scroll through comments thinking I probably should respond to these because it gets it's better for your numbers and et cetera, et cetera. I don't read reviews on this book. I don't read reviews. There's only five of them <laughs> so far. And I told, talked about that last week, but I don't care. I mean, I, I you can review or not. It's nice. Go for it. I don't care. And it's again, not because it, it's not, a, it sounds like a mean thing and it sounds like a disrespectful thing, but it I had to come to terms with this idea that it actually doesn't matter. The book is out. The only place it could possibly matter is if it leads to more sales because more good reviews came in, but that's out of my hands. I can't, I actually don't, I mean, I would love the book to be a bestseller, but do I care if one person reviews it? No. If that happens and then it turns into a more people buying it, that's great for me. I make more money from a book that I worked my ass off of and that's awesome. But again, it is actually, if I'm being 100% honest, it's out of my hands. It's out of my hands. There's nothing you can do about it. The problem is, is that, that sometimes that consideration of this myth that we need input and we need feedback and it has to be this kinds of things keeps us from actually creating stuff and putting stuff out in the world. We're terrified. I've been there, man, and am there. Like I, you know, as I really don't care, but that's not to say that there's something in my brain, that lizard brain part of me that is nervous. Um, you know, if I see a one star come in on this podcast, you know, I stopped looking at those things. But if I, if I, if I stumble upon or somebody emails me, like there's that part of me that is bothered by that, but that doesn't, the question, do I act on it or not? And I think it's a worthwhile endeavor in just in terms of your own life and how you live it and want to live it to look deeply into the idea of like, do what, what feedback do you care about? I mean, I did ask for um, feedback on my book as I was writing it. I asked for it consciously and intentionally for with, I think, three three people. I said, listen, can you read through this? Because there are people that I respect their opinions. I knew they were going to be honest and brutal and say, this works, this doesn't work. Um, I So I went to them. But random people who have something to say about my book, they could be totally worthwhile and awesome, but I don't know them and don't. I'm not going to search around for 15,000 people to do this because it's a distraction from my being able to put out a an honest piece of work that's authentic and and true to me and that's what that is for me but um it's just a matter of you understanding that i it's not like i'm anti-feedback period necessarily i certainly didn't ask for people uh, people's opinions you know as i was writing it well i think i just contradicted myself what i mean by this i wrote the book then I wanted feedback to see how it would play. So then I asked for people before it got published and put into stores and online and everything. I asked a few people and said, listen, give me some feedback. And I did make changes because they said there's here's things that don't work. You repeated yourself here. Like they noticed things that I just couldn't notice at that time because my brain was so deep into the book. I wouldn't even be able to, I had an editor go through and <clears throat> find you know, grammar issues and, and mis, 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 typos. The publisher had an editor do it because I don't, because that's, I'm too close. I can't see that. So there, it's not like it doesn't, there is input. There is input. But when you, when you really decide what matters to you in terms of feedback, 
when you really decide like do i care it's like i talk about in the book like the office politics like you know we get wrapped up in some office drama every time that's happened to me i come home and i'm like what the fuck do i care i do, i literally don't care that two people are fighting at the at the thing like you get wrapped up in it because you're tired and you're exhausted and it's whatever it, it it's like looking at a car accident you know kind of thing but you get home and you're like complete waste of time complete waste of energy and so to get into this habit of sort of reminding yourself what you care about, what matters to you, keeps you focused. It keeps you confident. It keeps you strong. It keeps you in the game of you living your life. It keeps you with the ability to create on your terms. And the feedback you get from people that you ask for feedback doesn't encroach on your terms. It You have a good, strong, if you have a good, strong foundation of knowing what you want to say and that you want it to get through as clear as possible, then the feedback is really helpful because it furthers that end that you have, which is that you want to write the best book you can. But as far as just random comments and things like that, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've come to a world where everybody's an, everybody believes they are an authority and they have this urge, if they see a YouTube video that they don't like, that they feel this like visceral urge to comment and I wonder why is it to save the world from watching another that video like you're gonna like you have a, some weird psychological heroes complex where you think I'm gonna save the world from anybody else having to watch this four minute video that I didn't like and the same goes for people who will get on Yelp and critique every freaking restaurant that they go to they are in a, they are the authority because they've eaten other food I mean literally that's that's not a joke. Like that is the level of authority that most people who are commenting in the world right now have. They have that authority that they have done that thing. They've watched a movie before. So they're an authority about movies. They've read a book before. So they're an authority about books and they've listened to music before. So they're an authority about music and do what you want. But if you're a creator and you have things that you want to put and say into the world, then you got to shut that down. You have to you have to guard yourself. It was easier before social media because let's face it, people didn't go to the front of a movie theater. If you had an opinion about a movie and you happened to be talking to somebody about it and they said, oh, what'd you think of that movie? And you're like, that sucked ass. Like, that's fine. That's interpersonal. It's what it is. They asked. It's friends. It's family. But it was like, what is your opinion? What do you think? But it's not what you think these days, is it? It's not, it's not, here's what I think. It's this movie sucked objectively. This movie sucked objectively. If you don't agree with me, it's because you're wrong and I'm right. And that's a problem because it prevents you from putting your heart and soul into your work. And fighting off input means allowing for greater true expression. It means having the courage to put something you're proud of into the world and not given a crap what happens after you do. That takes effort. It really does. I mean, it's a it's a struggle. Talk about life. It's every day episode that I did last time. I think um, it's a constant. It's a constant fending off. And I I've come to really like the idea of of the battle. I've been talking about this with my small steps intensive clients. Small step intensive because I I like battles on man. And if you lose a given battle on a given day, it's not about the battle. It's about going back and training and saying, okay, well I lost that battle. Let me see how if I can tweak my training. This is about the training. Shut yourself off when you can from unnatural access to you. And let's face it, 
the the ability for thousands of people to comment directly to you is unnatural. That's not how anything would work in nature. It's a weird thing. It trips us up hormonally. It put, makes us fearful and 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 also looking for the hit of approval in ways that are blown out of proportion so crazily that it again it it can make us feel stunted. It can it can it can it can deaden us inside having that much input. It's it's crazy. So here's what I propose. After I take one more sip. Mm. That was a while before I took sips, so my, my, my edible high must be wearing off. Try a month. You know how people do like social media detox and they do, of course, you know, sugar detox and they do this detox. Do a comment detox for a month. Just, just put the control freakiness of us on hold of you. Just I kind of control the ability for people to see this video because I didn't like it and therefore I want to make sure that put on hold. For a month, don't com- don't comment on anybody else's work for a month. If you go to a movie and you think it sucks or you think it's great, keep it to yourself. Hold it inside. Then use the extra time that you would have gone on social media and reposted it and talked about this and that and, and making sure that everybody else knows what you you thought. Take your take that time and apply it to something in your life that you want to improve. One month comment detox one month comment detox i'm not saying don't go on social media by the way i'm not saying a social media detox i'm not saying a digital detox i'm saying don't comment on stuff look at stuff and when you feel that urge positive or negative to say to make your voice known ask why where does that urge come from where could it be better channeled to you might find by releasing the urge to control the external to put your voice in the world in hopes that you can control something external to you and, and help one video, but also prevent other people and save other people from having to experience what you had to experience because it's objectively true in some way. You might find all of a sudden you have way more control over yourself. The shimmering sun would go away You're all the words I couldn't say There before me your heart breaks And I just watch it break Not a place to hide, you are bare But only to decide that I am coming with you That I will finally see what you see I have no place to hide, I am bare Away. 
You have learned to take And I 